like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to this. Right? Like no, Wednesday, 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 Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh my goodness! And I might as well. I I pretty much have to say Friday because this is the last show that we were recording for a couple days. We're not gonna have a Friday show. We're not gonna have a Monday show. For those of you who did not listen previous episodes. We will be out of town on Friday. We'll be down at a wedding down in Hillsboro, Texas. And then on Sunday, we'll be down at the Bills Chiefs game, so it will not be time to record a podcast episode on Sunday. So I will not have anything out for Friday. I'll not have anything out for Monday. Hey, you understand? You understand how the thing works? You understand how this works? Okay, so before we get into today's show, before I get really angry here at the beginning of the show, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter, you can find me at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram, you can find me at Logan or Blackman Logan. Show's Instagram account, you can be the Logan Blackman Show one. Facebook and YouTube, just search the Logan Blackman Show. They should pop up. Make sure you subscribe, follow, whatever on both. Like, subscribe, like, post. Go to our recent blog post. We'll have a blog post up today, which you guys can see. We will talk about it towards the end of the show as well. But the main thing, though. The very, 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 very main thing. Make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's how you're listening to this right now. If you're listening right now and you're not subscribed, just make sure you are. Just make sure you are and then leave a rating out of five stars on both and leave a description down below why you feel the way you do. You could be good, you could be bad, whatever. I don't really care. You can leave a one-star rating, you can leave a five-star rating. I'd appreciate a five-star rating, but if you feel like the show deserves a one-star rating, then that's what it gets. That's what it gets, you know? And you know what else I'd give a one-star rating? A one-star rating. That freaking Chiefs-Raiders game last night for more than for a multitude of reasons. Now, was the game fun? Yes, the game was fun. I, I enjoyed watching the game. Do I despise both teams that played in this game? Yes, for, uh, for the most part, yes, I do. So, Logan, why is this a one-star game? Which team do you hate more? The Chiefs, they won. Oh, okay. That's part of the reason. Like, I don't, I dislike the Raiders a lot. And we've made fun of Derek Carr, and we made fun of the Raiders quite a bit this year. But... I would rather see the Chiefs lose, especially going into the Bills-Chiefs game, which is next Sunday, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But the first thing, Raiders get out to a really big lead at the beginning of the game. Chiefs start coming back. Chiefs end up winning the game, and we'll go over some little tidbits around the game in a little bit. But the one topic that I know everybody loves, oh, everybody loves it. My dad especially, he loves when I talk about this stuff. Fantasy football, Okay. I was in an, I had an insurmountable lead in fantasy football last night, going into Monday Night Football. Insurmountable. I was at 109.2. Dude, I was playing, was at like 50 something. Like, I was like, there's no way. There's no way. The last two remaining undefeated teams in this league are playing each other, the top dogs in the league. And I'm going to win it. I'm going to win it. I'm up by so many points, there's no way. It just so happens, though, dude has Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who combined for four touchdowns, which is just beautiful. The first time to never have four touchdowns in games since 1985, with a whopping 25 yards receiving for Travis Kelsey. Like, the Chiefs winning was annoying enough. The fact that they won on the back of Travis Kelsey having 25 yards and four touchdowns really takes the cake, because I lost by a whopping, what, one point. One point five points is what I lost by. I was up massively. I lost 109.2 to 110.78 because Mahomes and Kelsey. You want me to read you Travis Kelsey's games previously? The why I felt the lead was insurmountable? 
Week one, 18 points. That's fine. It's a good amount of points. Good amount of points. 121 yards, one touchdown. Okay, that's fine. Then, five points. 51 yards, no touchdowns. 13.9, 15.2, and then a whopping 26.5 because he got four touchdowns. And I let, we each left some points on the bench, so I'm not even going to use that excuse like, oh, if I started Jeff Sims over Jamal Williams, I would have won the game. Well, if he started Gabe Davis over Michael Pittman, he would have won the game regardless if I had Jeff Wilson in because Gabe Davis got freaking 29.1 points. Gabe Davis got two touchdowns. The Bills win over the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday. But 26.5 for Kelsey, 30.48 for Patty Mahomes. And I had Young Way Koo getting me a whopping zero points. He had Khalil Herbert on his team get 1.1 points. So we each had some situations that were not favorable towards us. But you live and die by these decisions in fantasy football. You live and die. But I cannot sit here and say I was calm, cool, and collected watching this Chiefs game. I have never turned into a Raiders fan in my entire life except for last night. Jeremy the Raiders defense to do anything to guard Travis Kelsey. The best red zone weapon in the entire NFL, probably. You're leaving him wide ass open. You're leaving him single covered against a safety. It's not even that good in his own right. And we're just letting Travis Kelsey score wide ass open touchdowns. It's brutal. Like I was, I was actually upset. So what fantasy football did. And the thing is, I did the same thing the night before, too. The Ravens-Bengals game. So let me tell you what happened in that game. I was winning that game as well. I was up by, this time, not by a, by a lot of points. I was up by one point. But the two, the people, the dude I was playing had Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. I had Jamar Chase. And I was sitting there feeling all right about the game. I'm winning. I'm winning. The Bengals get the ball down to the one-yard line. And I can't believe I actually had faith in Zach Taylor to do this because he's really against this for whatever reason. But he did not throw to Jamar Chase. So if he threw to Jamar Chase, I would have won the game. I know Joe Burrow would have gotten points, but I would have won the game because Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow decides, you know what? Screw all of you. I'm doing a quarterback sneak. I lose this game by four points. And both times, I had the people I was playing texting me while this was all going down. You know what hurts when you lose a game in fantasy football the way I did? It makes it even worse when the people are texting you. Just rubbing it in. Now, the defense of the person that beat me with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, he did say he felt bad. He did say he felt bad. Which I don't think he should feel bad because he won the game. Insanely frustrating way to lose a fantasy football game, especially when you're... So I'm in, So this league that we're in, it's their neighborhood league. I was invited to the league last year. I don't live in their neighborhood, but I was invited to the league as an outsider. First ever outsider in the league. They told me while we were doing the draft last year that no one's ever won the league in their first year being in the league apart from the first year the league started. And then I proceeded to do that. I felt pretty good. Now, I'm not going to lie. The person I played on Sunday, his brother, I played in the championship season before, and it was a two-parter in the championship game. I texted him after the first part and said, congrats on winning the championship. Shame my team didn't show up. And my team came back and won. And I wasn't being there like, oh, I'm just belittling my team. No, I was getting annihilated. It would have taken a Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes-esque performance for me to win the league last year, and I did. And I did. And this year, I was five, I was 4-0. Sammy, dude, I was playing 4-0 as well. 
Probably not Tom DeLong. And hey, Tom DeLong back in Big 182. Let's go. Big news today. 109 to 50 something, and I lose 110 to 109. It hurts. It's brutal. Austin Eckler got me 31 points. Wasted. Because Kelsey cut 26. Then he also had Nick Chubb. He if he started da- Gabe Davis, he would have had four people score over 25 points. I've never seen that in the starting lineup before. I would never never seen that. Now he did have some performances that were not up to snuff, like Drake London, 3.5. We already talked about Khalil Herbert with 1.1. Like I had the Eagles defense, the number one rated fantasy defense against the Cardinals. Kyler Murray went under. I it was a weird situation I was in. I had the Cardinal, I had Kyler Murray versus the Eagles defense. I needed both to do well. I needed Kyler to throw. I, I don't know. I was stuck in a weird dichotomy with that. But, man, it, it just sucks to lose that way. It really sucks. And the thing is, like, we both scored over 100. We had two people score over 140. You know how insane that is? 140. And Jared, who scored 140.36, he had a good week. He had Josh Allen. He had TJ Hawkins. He had 0.6 points, and he still scored 140. Josh Allen's a freaking cheat code in fantasy football, though. We all know that. And Josh Jacobs had the game of his freaking life last night. Good Lord, what a game for Josh Jacobs. And then we had 145. He had Jalen Hurts, Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, all get above 20. Oh, there's our, there's a, that's uh, not above 25. It's about 22. The Cowboys defense got 22 points last night against the Rams, or yesterday against the Rams, Monday against the Rams. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I hate fantasy football. The thing is that really grinds my gears. I'm four and one in three leagues, and I'm one and four in the other one. <laughs> and I knew going into the season where I'm one and four, I said this while we were drafting. We had a Zoom draft. This is my rookie team that I said I told talked about at the beginning of the season. I knew this team was not gonna be very good. At least I, I felt it in my heart that like we had potential to be something, but it was all potential. It was all potential. Like it didn't help that the fact my quarterback breaks his leg in week two. That really puts a real dagger into things. Win week one, it also doesn't help that I'm having injuries every single week with my starters, not just backup players. Like this week going into the game, I had four people listed as questionable. No, five. Five people listed as questionable. Two running backs, two receivers, and my tight end. Kyle Pitts and Michael Thomas didn't end up playing the game, and Jalen Runnels listed as questionable. He might as not have well played either. He scored three points. Brees Hall, great game. Running backs all played great. Alvin Kamara had a great game. Jeff Wilson, Brees Hall, great games. And then I have the number five rated quarterback in fantasy football. I picked him up. He's playing the Patriots. Patriots defense hasn't really been that amazing as opposed to past years. So I'm playing with the with Jared Goff. Whopping five points in fantasy this week. And who do I start him over? Oh, just the guy that got me absolutely nothing the weeks previously. That's Kirk Cousins, and he gets 22 and completes his first 17 passes. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I lose by four points. I Tyler Lockett on the back. To be fair, I wasn't even thinking about starting Tyler Lockett. So you can't even be like, oh, I had this on my bench. Well, yeah, were you going to start him? Like, with how Jeff Wilson's been playing, I had to start him at slot or at flex. Tyler Lockett, to be fair, has had a really nice season. But Jeff Wilson's played really well as well. And then you look at the other wide receiver, Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. Am I really going to start Tyler Lockett over one of those two? No. Not in good conscience, no. I'm not going to do that. 
So I was stuck in that weird situation. I was not going to start Tyler Lockett in this game at all. I would have liked to, but I didn't. I would like, well, I, no, I would like to say I was going to do that, but I, I can't sit here and say that. I'm sorry. So this week, Kirk Cousins is playing the Dolphins. And you know what? Dolphins, I had their defense this week, negative two points. Sick. Youngway Koo kicker, zero points. Whopping negative two points between two players on my team. Three points if you include Jared Goff in there. So I had three points from three players this weekend. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's beautiful. And the Dolphins defense probably going to have four interceptions and a, like three fumble recoveries or something stupid. Allow no touchdowns, which will just help me out. I'm dropping the Dolphins defense. So whoever, whoever wants to pick up the Dolphins defense in the league, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Against a juggernaut Jets offense, negative two points. Really? Really? Negative two? If you're playing anybody else, sure. Like, they got, what? They got 21 points against the Patriots. And then they tanked since they got negative four against the Ravens. They got four against the Bills. Zero the week previously. And then negative two last this past week. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. This is why I hate fantasy football. No, I'm kidding. I love fantasy football. But I'm I'm projected to win the three leagues that I'm four and one in. I'm comfortably in last in <laughs> my other league. That's one of been that's been one of my big things. I've been in this league. The one where I'm one and four since about seventh grade. So one of my big things is that I've won a championship and never been to the last place game. I've never finished last. Well, really, in any fantasy league, I've never finished last. But this year, oh man, my team stinks. My team is brutal. But I'm number one on the waiver wire every week now. Number one on the waiver wire every week. So we're <laughs> we're doing fine. But I scored 154 in my William Penn league in standard scoring. Standard scoring scored 150, 154. I had Josh Allen, Austin Eckler, Gabe Davis all starting. I had zero points for my kicker, a young way in that league too. Like 35, 31, and 29. That's beautiful. 150, 150. Mark Andrews got me 14. Jeff Wilson, 19. Drake London, three. I could have, I like, who did, did I have any wide receivers that have actually done anything? No, I wouldn't have. Uh, I had Deontay Johnson, but. Either way, the other the dude I was playing scored a whopping 50, and he kept Javante Williams in his lineup, who tore his ACL last week. <laughs> so we that was he was just chalking that one up as an L. He wasn't worried about that one. He wasn't really worried about that one. He's got two defenses, two kickers. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's Kevin's brother, Lee. Lee needs to check his fantasy. Kevin, get your brother to check his fantasy team. And I know Kevin will be listening to him. I'll probably get a message from Kevin later today. Oh, man. Fantasy football. It's fun. It is fun. I'm in, I'm in four different leagues. I started fantasy hockey this year, too. I started fantasy hockey. I've never played fantasy hockey before. It is... Uh, oh, we've got, we've got games tonight. Oh. <laughs> well... Mark Stone, you better get some points against the Kings tonight. It'd be pretty cool if you did. My team's young in my fantasy hockey league. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I mean, I got decent goaltenders. I got a backup goaltender as well. There's so many players. So many players. I got Kale McCarr. I, I feel good defensively. I got Dougie Hamilton, Rasmus Dahlin. Got an A. Congrats to Rasmus Dahlin. Kyle Poza, new captain for the Sabres. Got Maddie and Brady to Chuck. 
I got Alex DeBrincat, who posted a thing about the Blackhawks today. Nick Suzuki, new captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Let's give him a round of applause as well. Tage Thompson, best goal scorer on the Buffalo Sabres. I got Trevor Zegers, cover of NHL 23. Baller, scorer of the Michigan goal last year. Shane Wright, rookie from uh, draft by the Seattle Kraken. Remember, he stared down Montreal. <laughs> he got on stage and stared down Montreal. Absolutely stared him down. I got Justin Falk from the Blues. I got Owen Power, second-year guy out of Michigan. First round, first overall pick by the Buffalo Sabres. Saw some action last year. Went back to Michigan after getting drafted by the Sabres. Came back. It looked good. It looked good. And I got Alex Tuck, who will – I don't know. It's between – I. he didn't get an A. He didn't get an A, but I know the city of Buffalo is rooting for Alex Tuck to be the next captain. Because Alex Tuck's from that area. Alex Tuck's at Bill's games doing the Let's Go Buffalo chant. So Buffalo natives want Alex Tuck to be the next captain. And then on the bench, we got Nico Heischer. We got Damon Severson. We got Brock Besser, who's day-to-day, and Rasmus Ristolainen. I I didn't want to draft Rasmus Ristolainen, but uh, he gave the <laughs> the Sabres got a decent haul for Rasmus Ristolainen. And then I got uh, Sorokin. As one of my goalies, I got Jack Campbell. Really good regular season. Postseason, a little bit of struggles. And then Jordan Bennington as my backup goalie. I don't know. I don't know how to, like, I don't know what to, ch- I don't know how to predict how this is going to work out. I-, I have no idea what to do with fancy hockey. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, we're going to try. We're going to try. We're going to try really hard. I've got a 52% chance to make the playoffs, which is pretty good. You know what? Without a single win, chance to be over. 50% chance to make the playoffs, you know what, we'll take it. We will absolutely take it. I don't get how some of these percentages work. There's four playoff spots, and there are <laughs> six teams projected to make the playoffs. Man, I love fantasy, though. Fantasy sports is fun. There are people that really dislike fantasy sports, very dislike fantasy sports. I can I can kind of understand to a certain extent why you don't like fantasy sports, but it's fun. If you don't like it, you're a fun hater. I'm sorry, you're a fun hater. But back to the the Chiefs Raiders game, just as a, a a whole, as a whole, what a stupid game! What a stupid ass game! Like the I don't really again I don't like either team involved. Would I have rather seen the Chiefs lose than Raiders? Sure. But that's not like it didn't bother me if the Chiefs won or lost this game. We know I know the Chiefs are better than Raiders if they played. It doesn't matter if they won or lost. They're, they were worse for one game. That's it. It's like the Chiefs and Colts. Same thing. But good lord. So, and I'm gonna say good lord for the Chiefs part first. So that rough in the passer thing. Okay. We already talked about. Well, did we talk about Tom Brady's rough in the passer for the Buccaneers on Sunday when we did Monday show? Did we talk about that? Because that one was bad. That one was bad. This one on Chris Jones and Derek Carr might be one of the worst rubbing the passer calls I've ever seen in my entire life. What the hell is he supposed to do? Like, they say he put his body weight on him. It's not like he pole vault, like he just picked Derek Carr up and slammed him into the ground, did a wrestling move on him or something. He literally braced himself. He had the ball in his right hand. He strip-sat Derek Carr. I've never seen that before, where a strip sack fumble that looks like a very routine play gets turned into a roughing the passer call. And I understand they want to protect quarterbacks. I understand that. But that's ridiculous. And I'm shocked. that The fact that made me most surprised about that whole thing was that they called it an arrowhead. And they called that 
at Allegiant Stadium or whatever the hell the Raiders Stadium's called, I wouldn't have really like, okay, that's, yeah, okay, fine. They called it in Arrowhead. And they already called two pass interference penalties on the Chiefs defense the drive before, like a couple drives before. Like, they were not caring and forgot where they were for a little bit. They forgot what stadium they were sitting in. The Chiefs let out about a 10-minute stretch of just straight booze. Straight booze. Like, it was, and they were on some booze. I would imagine, I would imagine they were on some booze. But they just let the boo birds sing in that game. And I can't say it wasn't warranted. But it was funny seeing all the different people, different reactions to that happening. But then that was dumb. That was really stupid. Bad penalty. It's a very rare occasion I'll defend the Chiefs. But I'm going to bash the Chiefs real quick right here. Why the hell do you go for two at the end? The Chiefs. We'll start with that. We'll start with the Chiefs. We'll start with the Chiefs. Why the hell did you go for two? You're up by seven points right now. Extra point. You're up by eight. So you're going to go down, try to get the two-point conversion, and then hope that you... I, I don't I don't, that doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I know you've got somewhat kicker issues, but good lord to go over two in that city. And then the Raiders. Raiders, you've got no kicker issues. Josh McDaniels, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? That's called getting too smart for your own good. Being smart outsmarting yourself is what we call that in the biz. And Troy Aikman's like, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Why? Because when the Raiders had the ball at the end of the game. Let's just say, hypothetically, they get in the field goal range. Devontae, Devontae Adams' catch counts. And they get to that range and kick a field goal. Let's say, on the rare occasion, that this version of Dale Carlson, not the one that played for the Vikings, this version of Daniel Carlson misses it. If you are a normal team and kick the extra point, you and you miss it, you go to overtime. Your chances of winning are not great. 50-50 due to the coin toss thing, remember that. You miss it, you go to overtime. That's worst case scenario. You make it, you win, you miss, go to overtime. You miss the field goal there, you lose. You have a, a the chance of you winning <laughs> with you missing the field goal while you miss the two point conversion. It's a little bit worse than you just kick the extra point. Because I'd be willing to bet Daniel Carlson would have made that extra point. Chiefs, I can kind of understand. He was a little bit wishy washy on the extra points throughout the game. But. It still doesn't make a lot of sense. It still doesn't really make any sense from the Chiefs' standpoint either. Like the Raiders go down and score. is like, what, are we doing like the XFL rules? Where we're going from a different yard line and each yard line's different points, like one, two, three? We doing that again? Because this don't make any sense whatsoever. And then Josh Jacobs doesn't get into the end zone. Like, it's, it's just weird. It was really odd. I, I can't be the only one that thought going for two for both teams was odd. Now, if you want to play devil's advocate, which I guess you can, like with the Raiders' circumstance, oh, we weren't expected to win. It's a road game. We're not expected to win. This is the Chiefs. We haven't beaten the Chiefs. Eight, Patrick Mahomes is, what, eight and one against the Raiders in his career or something like that? Is that what they said last night? Just ass-blasting them by, like, 80 points both games last year after the Raiders dance on the Chiefs' logo. Like, in these games, you're not supposed to be in. You're not supposed to win. So, if we're not supposed to win, why don't we just go for it? I can understand that to a certain extent, but that's if the game's tied. Not if you're losing by one point. If you're losing by two, then yeah, go for it every single time. If you're tied, if that touchdown was to tie the game, then yeah, go for it. Don't care. But you're losing. 
And the, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm not smart enough for it. Maybe maybe Josh McDaniels is too big brain. His brain couldn't even fit in the stadium. But Josh McDaniels is a cock, so like no one was really <laughs> too upset in the fact that the Raiders lost that game. Mostly because they wanted justice for what happened to the Chiefs earlier, which is a weird thing to see America back in the Kansas City Chiefs. At least the state of Iowa. I hate that team. I hate that team so much. Like, I was talking to my dad about this last weekend. This is coming up as we talk about the Bills-Chiefs games this Sunday. We'll talk about that right now. I am starting with the Patriots. I know they've won their past two games. Or not the past two, but they've won two of the last three. I or when was the Steelers win? Was that week two? They beat the Steelers somewhere in there, and then they, they beat the, the Lions 29-0 last week. I got to remember. What was the – when was their second win? Or their first win, I guess. It was against – I think it was against the Steelers, right? Yeah, okay, that was week two. That was week two. But I don't, like, hate the Patriots as much as I did. Maybe that's coming from a – uh, a negative point of view. Maybe I should hate the Patriots still. Like never let the hatred die because then they'll they'll surprise you at some point. They'll they'll beat you when you're least expecting. Like, oh now we're expecting to beat the Patriots. Now we don't hate them anymore when that hatred's just always burn inside you. But my dad and I have talked about this before. Like Tom Brady, like when the the Bills beat the Patriots, it was always without Tom Brady. It was always the last game of the year, season's locked up. Like or it was beginning of the year, Tom Brady suspended for something. Or <laughs> but Tom Brady's lost twice to the Bills. Both times, I remember. Drew Bledsoe blanked them in Buffalo. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Lindell won the game in Buffalo again. They should have beat them in New England. A, few, a while ago, they were retro uniform night. Leos McKelvin fumbled the kick return. It's pretty awesome. Benjamin Watson scored the game-winning touchdown. It was pretty cool. And uh, the Chiefs, I think it does a lot that we live in the state of Iowa, being in so close to Missouri and being around just so many Chiefs fans. Like, when I went to William Penn, a lot of our team was from Missouri. So, by default, a lot of them were Chiefs fans because they hated the Rams. We talked about that on Wednesday, on Friday's show. Like, they just hated the Rams. So, they were Chiefs fans. Some of them. I know there was there was others like my friend Alex. He was a Titans fan. He was a Rams fan became a Titans fan. Like, there was my friend Brett. <laughs> he became a Bills fan. And I don't even know if you'd classify him really as a Rams fan at that point. But he went to Rams games. He's from St. Louis, so he was kind of a Rams fan. He's, he's a big-time Blues fan. But uh, Rams, I don't really know if he'd ever classified himself as a Rams fan. But Rams hate her once they left. But the Chiefs just being that close, seeing Chiefs fans every day. Like, you don't, I don't interact with Patriots fans that often. I interact with one of them. Just one Patriots fan. Unless I'm completely forgetting about him. I, I interact with one. He's been on the show before. And I have one Patriots fan. And other than that, don't even interact with them. So I think that fuels the hatred a little bit. Being from Iowa, being on if you're from Buffalo, you probably hate the Patriots a little more. But the NFL is trying to make this the new big rivalry. And it makes sense. They're the two best teams in the NFL. Two of the best teams. I know the Eagles are obviously got a stake in that claim as well. They're 5-0. and The only 5-0 and team in the NFL. But the Bills right now, the reason I will still... Like, I've talked about this a thousand times. That the Bills lost the Dolphins. Yes. We're not naive to that fact. We're not being ignorant to the fact that the Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills. We are well aware of that. I watched the game. I'm well aware of it. The Bills are still the best team in the NFL. The Bills have a plus 91 point differential. Plus 91. The Bills have scored 152 points this season. 152. The only team that scored more than them is the Kansas City Chiefs. They scored 159. 
The Bills have allowed 61 points. No team. They got the Ram, the 49ers with 61 points as well. The Rams at 80. Are the Rams the lowest scoring team? Okay, the Colts. Colts and Steelers and the Broncos are the only teams lower than the Wow. I'm not I I'm surprised but not surprised. Especially the fact the Rams defense is given 116 points a game. Or 116 points. 116 points a game. We have some serious problems on our hands. But a plus 91 point differential. And that's closest to that. Plus 47 with the Eagles and Niners. Plus 91. And I saw a thing today, and he does this all the time because he he's a, a, a what do you call it? Clicks. The, the clickbait merchant. Clickbait merchant. Clickbait journalism. Stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about? It's Colin Coward. So I like Colin Coward for the most part, but there's some things he says that like, okay, you don't actually believe that. You just said something different two weeks ago. Like with the whole Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel thing, he had Baker Mayfield on, literally told Baker to his face he never called him Johnny Manziel. When there's clips of him talking about Baker Mayfield as Johnny Manziel. And then this week, or today, he came out and said, Josh Allen hasn't proven he can win those close, come-from-behind games like Patrick Mahomes. And a simple, simple Google search would tell you Josh Allen actually has more game-winning drives than Patrick Mahomes over his career. Just played one less year than Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen has one less fourth quarter comeback in less years. Like, you... I don't understand it. Like, I do understand it. I understand, like, Bill's Mafia is very territorial. Like, I said the same thing with the Browns and Baker Mayfield. I understand it. Like, I'm living in the same exact situation the Browns fans are with Baker Mayfield. You have no quarterback for X amount of years. You have a thousand different quarterbacks, and you got one guy finally into the playoffs, or one guy that transcends and is just one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You have that one guy. You wrap your arms around him. You defend him at all costs. So Bills fans are going to react to this like freaking crazy, but it's just not. You you can Google it. You can Google it yourself. Josh Allen, that when he was a rookie and then going into his second year, had the second most come from behind wins in the NFL during that time span. Like what? I, I don't understand it, really. And he said Josh Allen is good at blowing teams out. Okay? So? He has... You, you can Google it, Colin. You have people around you that can Google it. But it's... it's I, again, I understand why he does it. I understand. Like I'm talking about it now. He wants people to talk about it. Get clicks. Get people's opinions. Get talks about it. That's what he wants. But that takes stupid, because it's factually wrong, because you can Google it. Josh Allen has 12 game winning drives, Patrick Mahomes has 10 in one more year. Josh Allen had, what, five of them his second year in the NFL. All of them wins. All of them wins. I just, I don't, I don't, I, it's frustrating. It's fr- it is frustrating. And then to even say that, the Bills just did it two weeks ago against the Ravens. Bills just did it. Like, they were down 7, 20 to, 20 to 3 in halftime. They came back in the fourth quarter. But that doesn't count. Oh, you ever forgot about, are we talking about the playoff game? 
where he scored a touchdown with 13 seconds left and then never saw the field again? And we're putting that on Josh Allen? That's what we talk about again. Wins are not a quarterback stat. Wins can be affected and unaffected by quarterbacks. Or wins can be affected by quarterbacks, good or bad. But not every loss is indicative or every win is indicative to a quarterback. Josh Allen did not lose the game for the Buffalo Bills against the KC Chiefs in the playoffs. He didn't. And the same thing would have been said for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs somehow lost the game. The Bills kicking the ball to the back of the end zone, running no time off the clock, and then playing prevent defense when the Chiefs had three timeouts, that lost them the game. Josh Allen didn't touch the ball in overtime. Josh Allen won the game twice in Arrowhead last year in the play or in January in the playoffs. And now we're talking about this whole narrative that he can't come from behind. Are we really doing this? Like, again, it's just a simple, simple-ass Google search. It doesn't take very long. I don't know. It, it, it's just, it's it's frustrating and confusing because he has such a big platform. Like, people all around the country listen to him. And it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, people are still going to listen to it. And they're not going to take the guy who's like, oh, well, he's got this big platform. He must do the research beforehand. Uh, no, because he's in the business of clicks. How how viral is this going to be? If you bash, as this has shown, Bill's Mafia, and we're doing it right now. We're doing it right now. They will come in droves and defend the team, defend Josh Allen, do whatever. This is how it works. When your team's been starving for a quarterback and starving for a semi-decent football team for 18 years, then yeah, that happens. It happens. But to say Josh Allen's not winning the games that Patrick Mahomes is, Patrick Mahomes has rarely been down in his career. And you could go, that's a testament to Patrick Mahomes, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Like any, before anybody says that, I am well aware Patrick Mahomes did not really play his first year in the NFL. I am aware of that. Josh Allen didn't really play a whole lot his rookie year. He missed quick math, so he didn't play the first game. I bet he missed like five games, six games. Okay, ten games is a decent amount. I understand. But the Bills were a lot worse team when Josh Allen got drafted than what they are now. A lot worse. The Chiefs have not really... I don't know. Have the Chiefs gotten worse? Like they were never really bad when Patrick Mahomes had been there. Bills were bad. Josh Allen's rookie year, they were projected to win two games. Have the number two, number one overall pick draft Chase Young. That was a projection at that time. I remember it because you can watch the preview where we talked about it. And they won six. I predicted five that year. They won six. I predicted the Bills to get 13 this year, I believe. And I think they can get, get more. And that could be bad of me for looking like that. But there's there's going to be games the Bills win or lose that they probably shouldn't lose. Like, every team has those games. They shouldn't have lost the Dolphins. That happened. But this game against the Chiefs, like, CBS is hyping it up as revenge. Revenge. And the Bills open up as a three-point favorite going to Arrowhead. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I'm a massive fan of that. Like, I think the Bills can score with anybody in the league. And I think if Jordan Poyer plays, which is what it sounds like, a reporter came out and said if Jordan Poyer, if the Chiefs were playing last week, Jordan Poyer would have played. But it was the Steelers, and they weren't really expecting a lot of problems from the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. No disrespect to the Steelers, or disrespect, don't know. 
the Bills were without a lot of pieces. Like, like Tremaine Edmonds didn't play against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Jordan Poyer didn't play. Isaiah McKenzie didn't play. Dawson Knox didn't play. All those players, I would assume, are going to be back for the Chiefs game. But can they guard Travis Kelsey? Can they guard Travis Kelsey? That's what's killed them in the past is Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey kills a lot of teams. It's those underneath routes that kills teams. And the Bills and Chiefs are just different breeds in the AFC. I know there's other good teams in the AFC. I understand that. But this is the Bills and Chiefs conference until proven otherwise. What's going on? I rolled over my my, my headphone cord. Felt weird. Felt weird. Didn't like it. But in this game, if I had to try and like predict what would happen in this Bills Chiefs game on Sunday, I would love to say a Bills win, so I will. <laughs> I think the Bills can win. I think the Bills can win. The Chiefs secondary does not. That's the thing that's going to be the battle here. The Bills secondary versus the Chiefs secondary. The Bills got a better pass rush than the Chiefs. Bills got a better secondary than the Chiefs. So just by that, I'm not saying they're going to stop the Chiefs. It's easier said than done. But I think the Bills' defense can do a better job holding back the Chiefs than the Chiefs' defense can do against the Bills. Now, I do have, like, a respectable fear of Chris Jones. Like, I understand that. Justin Reed is a really good safety. George Kalaftis, pretty a really nice rookie out of Purdue. Nick Bolton's played pretty well. Now, he did try to break Josh Allen's leg last year, but that's a whole other story. Frank Clark's good. Like, they have good pieces on this defense, but there's no reason I think the I. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be that annoyingly cocky fan going in each week. Like, there's not really a game I'm gonna sit here and go. I don't think the Bills can win that game. Like, I've made fun. Like, Jared and Andrew, we brought them up before. Andrew's a Packers fan. Jared's a Vikings fan. Bills play both those teams this year. Neither one of those guys think the Bills. They're gonna beat the Bills. My friend Brady was a Chiefs fan. He didn't really think the Chiefs are gonna beat the Bills. So this is a bad situation where I can't sit down and go try to be level-headed about this because that's just going to boost my ego with everything. Do I think the Bills will beat all three of these teams? Yes, I do. Especially the Packers. Given how the Packers' offense is playing, yeah, I think the back, the Bills can beat the Packers. Vikings will be tough. Vikings will be tough, but I don't think the Vikings secondary will really... I don't think the Bills should have any problems with the Vikings secondary. The Vikings were a better team and the Bills beat them in Minneapolis a few years ago. Josh Allen's rookie year. Vikings were better and the Bills were a lot worse. A lot worse. Now, I know there's different circumstances. Like, the no one was expecting the Bills to go into Minneapolis to beat the Vikings. They were 14-point favorites. 14-point favorites going into that game. Uh, Josh Allen hurls Anthony Barr, and then we got the whole situation like that. And then for the Chiefs, it's just, I know they're going to be motivated. I know both teams are motivated going into the season. So it's not like I'm sitting here and going, oh, the Bills are the only motivated team. No, the Chiefs lost to the Bengals in the NFC Championship game in overtime. They're motivated, too. They are motivated. Chiefs have been to four or five straight AFC Championship games. However long Patrick Mahomes has been the starter, they've gone to AFC Championship games. Like, they've been there. The Bills look pissed. They're out for blood. Like, uh, we talked about this during the Titans game. They went for it on fourth down when they're up by 30 points. I don't care. Josh Allen has not played the fourth quarter in two games this year, and he's 200 yards above Justin Herbert in first place for passing yards in the NFL this year. He has missed an entire half of a game combined and leads the NFL in passing yards by over 200 yards. Like, I respect all the other candidates for MVP, and I've, I talked about this last night. I think the when I was with Jared and Andrew, I think, and Steven, we were sitting down, we were talking about football, watching the, the Chiefs-Raiders game. 
I think the top three MVP candidates are Josh, Patrick, Lamar, and Jalen Hurts. And then I don't know who the fifth option is. And I think, like, for offensive player of the year, I think, like, Nick Chubb has a chance in that. But I really, it's going to be hard for me to sit down and go, yes, he deserves the offensive player of the year. If Josh keeps playing like this, no one's going to pass him up for MVP. And I respect what Nick Chubb's doing. But I don't I don't see it. And then for, like, the other awards, like Defensive Player of the Year, I think, like, right now, I'd probably go Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons just looks unstoppable right now. Micah Parsons looks absolutely unstoppable. Like, Jordan Poyer, he's got four interceptions just three games this year. He's missed two games since four interceptions. Leads the league in interceptions. He hasn't played two games. Leads the league in interceptions. So I think he's got to be mentioned up there. Nick Bosa, obviously, one of the top players in the NFL. I think TJ Watt and Miles Garrett would definitely be up there. I think Aaron Donald's got to be mentioned up there towards the end of the year. Miles Garrett and TJ Watt both got some injuries to get over. But I think it's got to be, at least right now, it's got to be Micah Parsons. Offensive rookie of the year, I think you got to go Damian Pierce for Houston. He's playing really, really well. I think like Chris Olave. I think Brees Hall will definitely be up there towards the end of the year. But like Damian Pierce is fifth in the NFL in rushing yards this year. Like he's had a very, very nice season. And we knew he was going to be good coming into the NFL. We knew he was coming in good coming into the NFL. We knew he was going to be that guy. Like third round draft from Florida. Never really had a monstrous season at Florida. I think his career high was like 700-something yards, 700, 800 yards. I never put up monster numbers at Florida. But you could see the potential there. And now he's top five in the NFL in rushing yards for a not very good Texans team. Scored the lone touchdown in the game against the Jaguars last week. And then defensive rookie of the year, probably Sauce Gardner. Is there someone I'm missing? Probably Sauce Gardner for the Jets. I don't even know who else would be really mentioned. I haven't really heard a whole lot about NFL rookie rookies on the defense, defense apart from uh, – What's his name? <laughs> Sauce Gardner. I think like Jalen Petrie for Houston could definitely be mentioned up there. He's had a pretty nice season. Maybe like Trevon Walker could be mentioned up there. I know he's been playing pretty decently for the Jaguars. I saw some people complaining about TJ. Uh, uh, what's his name? Again. <laughs> Hutchinson. <laughs> I can't remember his first name. Aiden. Aiden Hutchinson. I see some Lions fans complain about Aiden Hutchinson, but he'll he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But I think Sauce Gardner has to be the rookie of the year right now for the defensive side. So if I had to do my mid, my quarter of the way through the season predictions, got Josh winning MVP. I think Nick Chubb could have a shout at winning Offensive Player of the Year. I think he's the the early favorite right now. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be up there as well, just because it's Justin Jefferson. But I think Josh wins that too. I think Josh comes away two for two, and then NFL Defensive Player of the Year is Michael Parsons. Rookie of the year offensively is Damian Pierce. Again, I think Brees Hall will definitely be up there towards the end. Chris Olave is playing really well. Romeo Dubs is starting to get an increased role at the Packers. He was my preseason prediction in that. Defensive rookie of the year, probably Sauce Gardner. Coach of the year, Brian Dable. I think it got to be Brian Dable. They're 4-1, at least right now. I'm not saying the Giants are going to be able to keep up this pace throughout the entire season, but the Giants are 4-1 right now. From what they looked like last year, running quarterback sneaks, a third down in their own red zone, like backed up in their own end zone I think it's got to be Brian Dable and like Nick Sirianni I think he's got to be mentioned up there as well for the Eagles just how good they've been playing right now like 5-0 and right now they're awesome Jalen Hurts is going to be mentioned up in the MVP race as well 
And again, I feel vindicated every single week I watch Jalen Hurts about him developing a top 10 quarterback. I think I, I think I feel vindicated just because he's actually playing really well. And then was there any other positions? Comeback player of the year? Lamar? Is that would Lamar count in that? Who else would be in comeback? Derrick Henry, definitely up there. I can't think of anybody else who's really in the comeback player of the year race. I don't really hear about that that often. But we did bring up the head coach. Got Nick's, uh, Brian Dable winning that. Sticking in the NFC, we saw Matt Rule finally get fired. First head coach fired this season. Not surprised at all. Not surprised at all. I think we're going to have close second and thirds by Ron Rivera. I th- Ron Rivera just came out and was asked about... What was the exact question? It was something along the lines of what's your team? What's the difference between your team and the rest of the NFC East? Because the Eagles are undefeated, five and zero. The Giants, Cowboys are four and one, and the rest of the Commanders are sitting at one and four. So what's the difference between your team and the rest of them? He's just a quarterback. Why? Why say that? I know Carson Wentz isn't playing is like what we saw back when he was winning MVP. Would have been the MVP before he got hurt. We know that. We know he's not playing that same level. We don't come out and say that. Come on, no matter if it's right. You don't say that to the president. You don't throw your quarterback under the bus like that. You just don't throw random players under the bus. That's not that's not great. It doesn't even matter if you're trying to just compliment the other division. Because, yeah, the other quarterbacks have been playing well. I do think it's funny, though, that people keep crediting <laughs> Cooper Rush with the Cowboys' success. And, oh, he's 5-0 as the Cowboys starter after throwing 102 yards against the Rams. Josh Allen had 98 of those yards on the first, the first pass of the game, first completion of the game against the Steelers. Like, that's the exact reason why wins aren't a quarterback stat. Cooper Rush had 102 yards passing as an NFL starting quarterback. No, he's not running the triple option. No, no, no. He's running a normal NFL offense. That's why NFL, that's why wins are not a quarterback stat. That reason. 102 yards passing? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, my God. But then, yeah, I think after Rivera, like Nathaniel Hackett allowed to be up there after watching that Colts Bron- Colts Broncos game last week, rough. And I think Frank Reich's gonna be mentioned up there too. The Colts offense stinks. I think I I wouldn't honestly be too surprised if Chris Ballard and Frank Reich both got fired. I wouldn't be surprised. Jim Irsay is itchy, like he keeps changing quarterbacks. After a while, he's gonna start making personnel changes around the coaching staff and to the front office. Gotta start making those changes as well. And then is there? So we got let's name five. So we got. Rivera, we got Hackett, we've got Frank Reich, Cliff Kingsbury. That dude just pisses me off. Cliff Kingsbury's got to be up there. At number five, anybody coming in at number five that could get fired this season? I don't really see a whole lot of other options that will get, like, are guaranteed to get fired. Maybe Arthur Smith from the Falcons? Maybe Arthur Smith. I think he's been dealt a bad hand because the Falcons are clearly tanking. It feels weird slash wrong to fire a coach in the middle of a tank. It's not really a lot he can do. You're giving him no resources. He's got to play with Marcus Mariota, and that's it. He's not even playing. Well, I mean, just for what he's been doing to Kyle Pitts, who I have in fantasy, by the way, in my league that's one and four, conveniently. Then, yeah, I can see him being fired for that reason, but those are probably the next five. Hey, really, anybody else? Like, Dark... I don't even know. I can't even really say Dark Horse. Dark Horse Kevin Stefanski? I I don't know. Is there any other options? Pete Carroll? I think he's just going to retire. Dude's like 72 years old. 
Let me just let him see it out right now. I saw some people crying for John Harbaugh to get fired. That ain't happening. Just because him and Marcus Peters got in a fight against the Bills. Well, what other coaches even are there? Like McDermott's not getting fired. Mike McDaniel's not getting fired. Bell's, Belichick's not getting fired. Robert Sala not getting fired. I don't think John Harbaugh getting fired. Zach Taylor won't get fired. I, I can see Zach Taylor getting fired. I can see Zach Taylor getting fired. Kevin, I think Kevin, I, yeah. Let's just go with those four. Or did we, we had five. We live Arthur Smith loosely. But yeah, Nathaniel Hackett, Ron Rivera, Cliff Kingsbury. And I've already lost my spot. Who was the other one that we had? Nathaniel, no, Nathaniel Hackett, Ron Rivera, Cliff Kingsbury. Frank Reich, Arthur Smith. That's my power five for top five coaches to get fired. Not in any particular order. I think Ron, well, Ron Rivera's number one, but everybody else after that is fine. But that's my five. That's the final five that we got going on there. Man, what a crazy, what a crazy time in the NFL. What a crazy, crazy time. What a silly, crazy time. Now let's look at what action we got going on this weekend. So we got Thursday Night Football, Bears, Washington Commanders. Yuck. Bears are rocking their orange uniforms. I couldn't think of a more fitting time to rock the orange helmets. Why against the Commanders on what? Yeah, yeah. They're not even putting a line on this game. The line's even. They don't even want to try and predict this game. I bet it's fifty-fifty on ESPN's match predict. Oh, fifty-three percent for the Commanders. Oh God, that game's brutal. I'm so happy I'm going to be in a car because <laughs> we're dri- we're driving down to Hillsborough. Tech. I won't be in a car. I'll be at dinner at that point. But we're not watching that. I'm not watching that game. But we are tied to the hip by the NFL. So we're everybody's going to want to watch it anyways. We got the Falcons-Niners. We got Browns-Patriots in the Belichick Bowl. We got the Shanahan Bowl in the Niners-Falcons. We got the Belichick Bowl with the Patriots-Browns. Then we got the Jets-Packers. We got the Lafleur Bowl because one Lafleur is the head coach of the Packers. The other one's the OC of the Jets. Colts-Jags. I don't know. Little Brother, little brother Bowl. Jaguars have sunned the Colts a new a few times this recently. Dolphins, Vikings. I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is going to play, but the Teddy Bridgewater Bowl. Bengals, Saints, Hooday versus Hoodat Bowl. Stupid chance, both of them. Ravens versus Giants, the Wink Martindale Bowl. Wink Martindale was the DC of the Ravens for a while. Now he's the DC of the Giants. Bucks, Steelers. Hmm. What could we use for the Bucks Steelers game? I don't want to say the Brady Bowl. The, oh, the Antonio Brown Bowl. The Antonio Brown Bowl. Yes, 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 of course. Yes, of course. Panthers and Rams. We got a fun one for the Panthers and Rams. Uh, we'll come back to that one. Cowboys, or Cardinals, Seahawks. Battle the Birds, I guess. <laughs> Cowboys, Cowboys, Eagles. What's that old college football? Good old-fashioned hate. What rivalry is that? Good old-fashioned hate. What is that? There is a rivalry called that. Good old-fashioned. Nope, not pancakes. Hate. Georgia Tech versus Georgia. Okay. Clean old-fashioned hate. Not good old-fashioned hate. That's what we'll call the Eagles and Cowboys. They throw golf balls at those teams. They cheered Michael Irvin get carted off on a stretcher. Broncos Chargers battle the ponies because the Chargers the Chargers old logo had a horse on it. Back to the Rams Panthers. Does anybody care about this game? I don't want to watch. I, I saw 
I sadly it wasn't Ben McAdoo getting the head coaching job. That would have been fun. It was their D coordinator. Who is their D coordinator? He just got the head coaching job there. Interim head coaching job, anyways. I don't know. I don't know. Is Raheem Morris the D coordinator of the Rams? Raheem Morris? If he is, I think that'd be a prime spot for Raheem Morris to go. I could see him going to the Carolina Panthers. Yes, it is Raheem Morris. He's the defense coordinator of the Rams. I bet he could get a job with Carolina. There's my prediction. Way too early prediction. <laughs> Raheem Morris gets a job with the Carolina Panthers. I don't know. That's that's. I can't think of anything else. They're hiring Raheem Morris poll. I don't know. Really don't care either. But the Bills Chiefs, that one's going to be awesome. It's at 325 on CBS. Your boy will be there. It's fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thoroughly enjoyed last time. Sadly, it didn't end the way I wanted it to, but it was fun nonetheless. Ugh. Fun. Fun, fun, fun. Now, we got college football. Yes, we got some fun action. Thankfully, Iowa's on a bye week this week. Thankfully. And then they get to play Ohio State next week. And thankfully, Ohio State's on a bye. But other than that, jokes aside, there are some really good matchups this week. Really good matchups. We got Penn State, Michigan, 10 versus 5. Auburn-Ole Miss will be a pretty fun game, though Mississippi-Ole Miss is a 15-point favorite. Kansas-Oklahoma, if I told you one of them was ranked, which one would you just instantly guess? You'd guess Kansas, right? Yeah, Kansas is ranked 19th, going to Memorial Stadium, Gaylord Memorial Stadium, Norman, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a 9-point favorite. We got Iowa State-Texas, which should be a fun one. It's in Texas, though. It was in Iowa State to be a little more fun, because the Iowa State fans, in the, most, in the nicest way possible, are the most petty fans in all sports. And the nicest, and I mean that as a compliment. Like, for example, I've talked about this on the show before. When they played Oklahoma State in basketball and Marcus Smart was there, the whole crowd flopped when Marcus Smart got introduced. That's the level of petty we're talking about here. We got Minnesota, Illinois. There's some sort of trophy involved in that game, I think. And then we got Alabama and Tennessee, matchup of the week, a possible Heisman decider there. We got Oklahoma State versus TCU, NC State, Syracuse, which should be fun. James Madison, Georgia Southern. Clemson, Florida State, Mississippi State, Kentucky, USC, Utah. We got a lot of very fun top 25 matchups this week. I think the only one I did not say during that entire time was <laughs> Vanderbilt, Georgia. Georgia's a 38-point favorite in this game. 38. Remember when people were semi-hyping up Vanderbilt after they beat the likes of Hawaii and Elon? Remember that? That was pretty fun. That was a fun time. Doesn't feel like that long ago, but it was, <laughs> it was a, that was an interesting, interesting time. Vanderbilt's got a 1.4% chance to win this game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. 1.4. 1.4. They give up 37 points a game, Vanderbilt. Good Lord. That's basically like, oh, my God. Like, the NFL should investigate them for for tanking. Good Lord. 30, what's the worst team that's... What's the worst defense in college football in regards to points per game? Points allowed. I don't want to see the best. Give me the worst. Good Lord. Charlotte 49ers. Because, you know, Charlotte was really big in the gold rush. <laughs> I don't know. If they were, cool. They get up 46.3 points a game. And then Colorado is giving up 43.2. It's a former national champion right there, <laughs> Colorado. And I, well, they've won a lot of national championships in my NCAA 12 sim. They won a lot of them with Richard Dick as the head coach. Beautiful team. Absolutely beautiful team. But yeah, there's some brutal ass teams. <laughs> brutal. 
absolutely brutal. But I love it. I love it. Iowa's up there as one of the best teams in college football in regards to total defense. Uh, Iowa's offense is down there as one of the worst in uh, total offense. One of the worst, if not the worst. Now, we talk about Iowa State playing Texas. We got you and I taking on Utah Tech. You and I cannot lose this game. There is zero room for error for you and I in this game. You lost homecoming to Illinois State in a game you should have won. Utah Tech stinks, okay? They're 1-4. and four. They ain't doing too hot in any of these games. Like, they beat Shadron State, home of Danny Woodhead, 56-10. Congratulations. I think they're D3 or D2, low-level D2. I don't know. They're D2 or D3 school. You cannot – you have to blow Utah Tech out of the water if you're you and I. You absolutely have to blow them out of the water. With the way Theo Day is playing, with how the U and I offense has been playing recently, you have to – like, they're, they're playing pretty well. I'm not saying they're playing perfect, but they're playing well. They're really well-balanced units. Better than what they were back in the spring season a few years ago. Remember that? A lot better than that one. Theo Day has been playing really, really well. They should have won last week. Should have beat North Dakota as well. Should be sitting here at 4-2 and two instead of their 2-4, and four, playing a 1-4 and four Utah Tech Trailblazer team. They have to win. There's no exception. They, they have to win this game. They absolutely have to win this game. I'm not even going to elaborate more than that. For Iowa State, do I think they can win? Yeah. Do I think they will? Probably not. At this point in time, they're 16.5-point favorites. ESPN's match predictor gives Iowa State an 11.1% chance to win. Yeah, I don't know. Oklahoma, Texas is coming off a pretty big high against Oklahoma, too. 49-0. Quinn Ewers is back playing quarterback for them. Bijan Robinson playing very, very well. Yeah, it's going to be a little – it's going to be a tough one for Iowa State. It's going to be a tough one. Now, if I had to go through and predict every single game this week – so Tom sent me his list again. I don't even know what we did last week, so I don't want to look at it. So this week, we got our matchups, okay? Got our week, whatever the hell this is, week seven matchups in college football. We got SMU taking on Navy, okay? So we got to go to the the AAC, the American Conference, find this game. This is a Friday night game. SMU is a 12-point favorite in this game, 12.5-point favorite over Navy. Navy's coming off a very impressive win against Tulsa last week. They beat him 53-21. to Navy, unsurprisingly, one of the best rushing units in all college football, average 231 yards a game. Now, SMU's offense is one of the best offenses in all college football. They're just struggling right now. They're struggling to get anything going. They got blown up by UCF last week. They got beat by TCU, close game, and they got a close loss against Maryland as well. But they're averaging 500 yards a game. The problem is they can't stop shit. They can't stop anything. Like against TCU, against TCU, Max Duggan had 278 yards, three touchdowns. TCU as a team rushing the ball had 191 yards. They gave up 142 to Kendra Miller, who also had a rushing touchdown in the game as well. For UCF, their game against UCF, they got blown out 41-19. to gave up 160 yards in the game. John Reese Plumley had 316 yards passing and two Touchdowns. Tanner Mordecai did not throw a touchdown, had an interception in that game. Tanner Mordecai, pretty solid quarterback, too. Pretty solid quarterback. Then against Maryland and their other loss, the final loss we'll talk about, Maryland had 223 yards a game on, on the ground. Roman Hembry, Roman Hembry had 151 yards on the ground. So you look at these games and see how they're losing. Like they're giving up 160 yards a game rushing the ball. They're giving up 240. They give up 416.8 yards a game. So you look at SMU's rushing defense this year. Where are they ranking in regards to the whole of college football? How are we ranking them? 
They're right in between Northwestern and Buffalo in regards to yards allowed per game rushing the ball, which is on the lower half of college football. Navy, on the other hand, the thing with Navy in this game, you got to stop the pass. That's the big thing you got to stop here. Jeez, sorry. And Navy, right now, we're scrolling through, see where they rank in regards to all of college football in regards to passing defense. And if this is right, they are near the bottom as well. They're they're close to midway, but they're near the bottom. 12 and a half is the line right now in this game for Navy versus uh, the boys down in SMU. I know Navy's got a nice little win coming off that, but we're going to go with the Mustangs. Am I confident in saying that? No, not at all. It's at SMU, so we're going for it. Kansas and Oklahoma, weird game. Absolutely weird-ass game. Both teams could be without their starting quarterbacks this game. I haven't heard a single thing about Jalen Daniels going into this game, but if he's out, that could be a big thing. I know their backup quarterback played well last week against TCU. Likely be without Jalen Daniels for a trip to Oklahoma. Okay. I know he played well. I know he played well against TCU. I know he played well. Dude had 262 yards passing, four touchdowns. I understand he played well. And Oklahoma just is not very good. Oklahoma's playing bad. Like, what, what is, is Dylan Gabriel in health in question? He was out with a concussion last week. Oh, Dan, I typed in Daniel. Dylan. Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel. Hoping to return to the field this week against Kansas. Expect Sooner to return this week. Venable says he expects Sooner's quarterback Dylan Gabriel to return this week. Nine-point favorite for Oklahoma. Oklahoma's defense can't stop anything right now. It's at Oklahoma, but that has really not mattered. They got blown out by TCU. At, uh, they got blown out by Kansas at home as well. Or blown out. It might as well have been a blowout. Kansas State played very well. Mostly Adrian Martinez. Uh, nine is the line here. Do I think Kansas can be within a touchdown of Oklahoma? This is not the same Oklahoma team. What are what's the what are the experts saying? Let's cheat a little bit. Kansas versus Oklahoma. Let's cheat. Let's cheat a little bit. Let's cheat a little bit. Prediction. <laughs> oh my god, I'm cheating. I'm cheating the system. You know what? I'm I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have some fun. I'm gonna have some fun. I'm not even gonna look at it. I'm gonna go Kansas. I think it'd be so funny to see Kansas beat Oklahoma, or at least not maybe not beat Oklahoma, but stick with Oklahoma. Next one, we got Illinois taking on Minnesota. Minnesota! Now, both teams are eerily similar. Like, they both run the ball particularly well and have very solid defenses. Like, Muhammad Ibrahim for Minnesota, Chase Brown for Illinois. Both teams are very run-heavy, very run-oriented. Both offenses are very good, and coincidentally, or both defenses are very good, and coincidentally, don't really give up a lot on the ground. Minnesota averages giving up just 81.4 yards a game. Minnesota, or Illinois averages giving up just 67.2 yards a game on the ground. Like This will be a very boring matchup. Each team is averaging giving up just 8 points a game. Minnesota is averaging 8.8. Minnesota or Illinois is just at 8. It's a boring, boring, boring game. Who am I going to... I'm going to pick Minnesota. I'm going to pick Minnesota. I'm going to pick the Gophers winning that game. Next one, we got Michigan and Penn State. I really don't care for either team, to be honest. Again, similar situations here. 
Blake Corum, one of the best running backs in college football this season. 11 touchdowns rushing. Singleton for Penn State has 463. Both teams average around the same yards of offense. Michigan's defense is better than Penn State's. And I do like J.J. McCarthy more than Sean Clifford, so I'm going to take Michigan minus 7 against the Nittany Lions. Mississippi State taking on Auburn. I've already talked about it. Auburn's just not a very good football team. They're not. I mean, they're soft. They're not, I guess I should say terrible. They're not, they're not very good. Not very good. Ole Miss runs the ball extremely well. They're a very well-balanced unit. They're fast-paced. I don't know if Auburn can keep up with it. I'm going to go with Mississippi State. They're big favorites in this game. They're 15-point favorites. I'm going to go with Mississippi State. Texas and Iowa State. Again, this one's weird because it's at Texas. It was at Iowa State. I'd feel a little differently about this. And everybody's going to jump on this because Texas had a very good game last week against Oklahoma. Iowa State has had three straight extremely tough losses by seven points, three points, and one point. So, just going down that trajectory, they should win by one point this week, right? One would suspect that. Like, Iowa State's got a better defense than Oklahoma does. They do. They just do. But Texas does have a lot of weapons that they can choose from. Like, B. John Robinson, Xavier Worthy out wide, Quinn Ewers being back is big. Iowa State does not give up a lot of yards on defense, though. 16 is a lot. I'm going to go with the Cyclones covering. I don't think they'll win. But I do think the Cyclones can cover in this game. There's a lot of things that Iowa State does that are very good, but they just shoot themselves in the foot a lot. And that's what they've done a lot this year of. Syracuse and NC State, that carrier dome, be tough place to play. Very tough place to play. Syracuse has a very, very good offense. Both teams have good offense. Both teams have good quarterbacks. Garrett Schrader for Syracuse. Devin Leary for NC State. Uh, NC State's coming off a close win against Florida State. They lost to Clemson a week before. Syracuse is coming off a bye. They played Wagner last. Remember they talked about the 10-minute quarters in the second half? Remember that weird-ass thing that they did? Uh, I've been on the Syracuse Orange a lot this season. I'm going to go with Syracuse again. They've treated me well so far this season, so we're going to go with them again. Maryland and Indiana. What is the line for this game? 11? I'm leaning towards Maryland right now. I'm leaning towards Maryland. You know what? We're going we're gonna to go with Maryland. We're going to go with Maryland. I know it's a big line. I know well, 11's not like a ton a ton, but I, I'm going to go with Maryland. Next, we got Toledo and Kent State. We got some action on our hands. Toledo and Kent State. There we go. Toledo is a nine-point favorite. Toledo, or Kent State's lost every other game this year. <laughs> but they played, they played Oklahoma and Georgia. That's a little, that's a little unfair to the Kent State. But the flashes of, uh, geez, Kent State gives up a lot of yards of defense. 442 yards a game, giving up on defense. They just lost to Miami of Ohio. Toledo lost 77-21 to Ohio State. Had a close game against San Diego State. Nine is the line. Nine is the line. We'll come back to that one. We'll come back to that one. Actually, I don't want to do this. Um, neither team gives, we'll go with Toledo, go with Toledo, Alabama and Tennessee, my favorite game of the weekend, absolute favorite game of the weekend, Bryce Young will be back, which is very, very big, at least that's what it seems like he's going to be back, Hendon Hooker's playing at an elite level right now too, it's a fun game, it's a really, really fun game, Alabama's favored by seven and a half over, Miss, uh, over Tennessee, eerily similar teams. 
Alabama's defense is a lot better than any of the defenses Tennessee has played this year. Can Alabama win by 10 points? It's at Tennessee. Tom, why do you make me do this? Why do you why do you make me do this? This is damn near impossible. I don't like doing this anymore. This isn't even fun. This, this is just stressful. I got a few days to figure this out too, but I'm doing it right now. I'm just doing it right now because it's making me stressed out. Why are we... Mm. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Like, okay, Tennessee's offense is very, very good. They're one of the fastest-paced offenses in all college football. We know this. They, I, they, I think they might be the fastest college football team in regards to having time of possession. Uh, oh, what do you call it? Time at each between each snap. They use, like, three seconds or something like that. Like They use... Very little. And given just how... I, I'm going to pick Tennessee. I'm going to pick Tennessee. Just given how Alabama played against, like, Texas, I think Tennessee is better than Texas. Both were on the road. Both huge stadiums. I don't know. I just got something with Hendon Hooker this year. I got something with Hendon Hooker. We got Oklahoma State and TCU. Oklahoma State, tough game last week. Very tough game. They got a really good scare against Texas Tech last week. Very good scare against Texas Tech. Especially early. Especially early on. Both offenses are very good. Both defense are not that good. Both teams average about 46 points a game. Both teams give up around 23, 24 points a game. Not great. This will be a barn burner of a game. I'm going to go with the Iowan. We're going to go with Max Duggan. We're going to go with Max Duggan. We're going to go with TC over at Oklahoma State. BYU and Arkansas, with it being at BYU, the line is one and a half towards the Cougars. Here's the thing. And we're talking about this before. Arkansas secondary is very bad. Arkansas secondary is very, very bad. They are one of the worst secondaries in all of college football this year. And they've been, they, to be fair, they have been banged up quite a bit. They have been banged up quite a bit. I don't know if KJ Jefferson's going to play. If he plays, that's a very big difference in how this game could look. I mean, BYU's defense, to be honest, is nothing that spectacular. And when they played the bigger time opponents, apart from Baylor, they lost like Oregon, Notre Dame, a neutral site for Notre Dame. I'm going to go with the Cougs with it being. In Provo, I'm going to go with the BYU Cougars. I think they can win. I do think they can win that game. It'll be tough, though. They give up a lot of yards on the ground. They give up a lot of yards on the ground. Arkansas is one of the best rush offenses in all of college football. One of the best in all of college football. Is KJ Jefferson... Okay, that's going to be big. Is KJ Jefferson playing? May play. May play. So that's subject to change. That's subject to change. If KJ Jefferson plays, that might change. Wisconsin-Michigan State, oh my god, what a terrible-ass game. Who the hell is actually be sitting down watching Michigan State versus Wisconsin? Who's actually going to do that? There's no Wisconsin fan that's actually going to sit down and watch this game. There's no way. I mean, we're going to go with Wisconsin because Michigan State's defense is ass, but Wisconsin, yeah, we'll, we'll go with Wisconsin. We're going with Wisconsin. Washington versus Arizona. Jaden DeLura versus Ma- Michael Penix, two transfer quarterbacks. Washington coming off a loss in their own right. Arizona coming off a loss because they just lose, you know, lose all the time. Who didn't Washington lose to last week? I forget. Arizona State in a weird, weird game. Weird game. 14 and a half is the line here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Washington. I am gonna go with Washington. Florida and LSU at Florida. This is gonna be tough. That's gonna be a very, 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 very tough game. 
It all depends on which Anthony Rich Anthony Richardson shows up. I think if Anthony Richardson plays at his best, Florida wins easily. Or maybe not easily. LSU's defense is very solid, very very solid. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Gators with it being at Florida. We're gonna go with them. Nebraska Purdue. Thirteen and a half line for Nebraska Purdue. Nebraska Purdue. Thirteen and a half. I gotta see more analytics on this thing. Tonight game too. We know West Lafayette, Indiana is a tough ass place to play. Very tough ass place to play. Right? Yeah. Purdue's coming off a nice win against Maryland. They beat Minnesota. They have a Florida Atlantic win. Northwest Nebraska coming off a very inspired win over Rutgers. Um, yeah, we're gonna go with Purdue. I think they can win easily. If they they should be able to win easily. Made a mark on my page. All right, Florida State Clemson. This one's gonna be tough, tough game. I am looking forward to this one though. Jordan Travis versus Clemson's defense could be very very fun. I like Jordan Travis a lot. It's at Florida State. Both teams are pretty similar in how they do get business done. Both teams have played similar opponents. Florida State's lost to two teams that Clemson has beat in Wake Forest and NC State. I want to pick Florida State here. I kind of want to pick Florida State. Am I crazy for picking Florida State? Am I crazy for doing this? Florida State versus Clemson. Let's see what the the experts are saying. Let's see what the experts are saying. Fan Nation. That's not what we're looking for. That's not what we're looking for. I need a prediction. Prediction. There we go. Doc Sports. Very, very reliable source here. I don't know. I like my gut is telling me to pick Clemson. But I want to have some fun. We picked Kansas versus Oklahoma. Let's pick Florida State over Clemson. I think it'd be fun. And then the last round of games, we got Mississippi State, Kentucky. This one's just gonna be dependent on whether Will Levis plays or not. If Will Levis plays, then I think it could be a close game. I think Mississippi State, with how they're playing, they're playing really good. They're playing really, really good. Will Rogers is on playing on an insane clip right now. Will Levis was out with a foot injury last week. It's a night game at Kentucky. Kentucky just lost a night game last week to South Carolina. It was way worse than Mississippi State. Is Will Levis going to play? That, that is my... If Will Levis doesn't play, I'm picking Mississippi State every time to the every every trip of the train. Day to day ahead of Mississippi State game. This sucks that I'm doing this on a Tuesday. This makes it damn near impossible. Kentucky, Mississippi State. Kentucky, Mississippi State. We'll skip that one. Memphis, East Carolina. Memphis and East Carolina. Two barn burner teams right here in the American Conference. American Athletic Association Conference. We got East Carolina sitting at a five point favorite right now. Memphis defense has never been good. They just choked away. You know what? Out of spite, out of absolute spite, I might just not pick Clemson or pick Memphis. Out of spite. That's literally it. Because they choked that game away against Houston so fast. Good Lord, they were up by like 20 points and lost by one. That was, in, that was stupid. Absolutely stupid. Just for that reason, just for spite purposes, we're picking East Carolina. Don't care. I'm not even going to look at it past that. Uh, North Carolina Duke. I don't even really look at it. Drake May is playing really, really well. We're going to go North Carolina. Uh, we got Oregon State, Washington State. I'm going to pick the Cougs on the road. Cameron Ward getting a dub over Oregon State. I think that's possible. Oregon State had a nice win last week against Syracuse. 
on a last second play, pretty much, I don't think they're going to be able to beat. I don't think. I don't. I don't think they'll beat Washington State this week. Washington State's a solid team. USC versus Utah, another Pac-12 matchup. Tough game, absolutely tough game. In Utah, in Utah is the tough part. BYU or USC six and zero. Utah's four and two. If you see it, USC wants to be the top dogs in the Pac-12, they have to beat Utah. That's how it works in the Pac-12. Like both teams are very, very different. Like they're very, very different. They're very similar. Like look at the yards they give up. Look at the points they score. Look at the points they allow. Like they're very, very similar teams. Pretty much the exact same all across the board. Just for fun, we're gonna go USC. We're gonna go USC on the road. I think that'd be fun. I think that could be fun. Coming off some big wins, they struggled against Oregon State to a certain extent. Oregon State's a tough football team. But we're going to go with USC in that one. Stanford, Notre Dame, at Notre Dame. The thing is, Stanford can keep up with almost anybody. Their defense just can't stop anybody. That's their problem. Like, they average thirty, they average 29 points a game. The problem is they average giving up 33 points a game. You have 431 total yards of offense. 431. Like they can, Again, they can keep up with anybody. If their defense can at least hold them back. They scored over 20 points in every game this year. Over 20 points in every game. And they keep losing because they have absolutely no semblance of a defense. None whatsoever. But Notre Dame winning by 17 points. I'm going to go with Stanford. I think Stanford can keep up. I don't think Notre Dame's offense is anything that special. So I'm going to stick with Stanford. I think they can I think they can lose by less than 17. I'm not, I'm not saying they can win. But I'm going to go with Stanford. Then we got UNLV versus Air Force. Back in the Mountain West Conference. UNLV Air Force. Where the hell are you guys? Get Air Force sitting in at a nine-point favorite. UNLV, okay, we're going to go with Air Force. I'm just going to pick Air Force. I'm not even going to spend that much time on that one. San Jose State versus Fresno State at Fresno State. Jake Hayner, the starting quarterback for the Fresno State Bulldogs. He's not played very well this year, to be honest. He hasn't played his normal self. Fresno State's defense cannot stop anybody. They lost to UConn, which is bad enough. Like, I don't care they lost by only five. They lost to UConn. That's all that matters here. San Jose State's playing really well right now. They're 4-1. and one. They had a close game against Auburn. Yeah, we're going to go with San Jose State. We're going to go with Spartans. And then Mississippi State, Kentucky again. Big on if Levis plays or not. That's really all it depends on. Kentucky stinks without Will Levis. That showed on Saturday. That showed Saturday. They are really bad without Will Levis. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to go with the Bulldogs. I think we're going to go with the Bulldogs. So there's my picks. Am I confident? No. Not at all. I'm not confident at all in those picks. I like Kentucky. I like Mississippi State. But we're going to go with the Bulldogs or the Wildcats. And speaking of the Bulldogs and Wildcats, we got their two quarterbacks playing this week. Potentially. So here is our week six? It's week six, right? Week six quarterback prospect rankings. And it starts off the same. Like this top, again, the top three is the same. It's always going to be the same. Whatever order you want to put it in. And there's not really a lot to talk about the two that are behind him. But number one, C.J. Stroud. Two is Bryce Young. Three is Will Levis. Like, Levis and Young didn't play. Stroud had a, or Young had a shoulder injury. Will Levis had a foot injury that I was not aware of. I thought he just had the, the finger injury. He dislocated his finger. So I didn't think, he, I didn't think that was, I thought that was the reason why they were going to play. Not because he hurt his foot. I didn't know that. Until the game starts, like, oh, God, Will Levis isn't playing. Like, this is what we talked about on Monday. There were so many injured quarterbacks in college football. A lot of them in the SEC. Like KJ Jefferson, Will Levis, Bryce Young, and then go to the Big Twelve. That Dylan Gabriel out. Like it's there are some big time quarterbacks. Jane Daniel, Jalen Daniels got hurt. 
for Kansas. Quinn Ewers came back from injury. Like, we've had some pretty big injuries this year. Thankfully, knock on wood, C.J. Stroud's not been hurt. I, for those of you who are like, oh, why, why are you not wishing to be hurt? They're playing Iowa. You should want him to get hurt so they don't beat him bad. I don't really care. At this point, I just consider it inevitable. I just, inevitable. I just want C.J. Stroud to play well because C.J. Stroud's good. I want him to stay healthy. Six touchdowns. Easy game. As we said, it would be against Michigan State. Michigan State, no defense. Cannot keep up with Ohio State's offense. And miscommunication with the Mecca Buka on the first play, or the second drive of the game for Ohio State. They scored on the first drive. Marvin Harrison Jr. got a touchdown. Second drive, it looked like a Buka. So it looked like a choice route. And the choice was either a hitch route or a go route, which is a pretty common choice route there. Agbuka took the latter. Or, which one did I say? I don't remember what I said first. He took the vert. CJ Stroud thought he was running the hitch. So that's a situation where it's a simple miscommunication. You're reading the defense. You're reading the coverage. They're playing off. Depends on different if you're playing up top. If they're playing press, you're more likely to burn them deep. If they're playing off, you're more likely to run a hitch. Just how it works out. And they just miscommunicate it. Stroud played well. Six touchdowns, five incompletions. Yeah, Stroud's the best quarterback in the country right now. I don't care about the pick six. Like, it doesn't matter. And I, and unless something crazy happens, I don't really see him losing number one spot right now. At least at this point. With the way Ohio State's offense is playing, there's no way. They don't even have Jackson Smith and Jigba playing. They're torching teams. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is balling out. Emeka Buka is balling out. He had a mis- he had a fumbled punt last week against Rutgers. He had a miscommunication with Stroud on the first the second drive of this game. Other than that, dude's absolutely balling out. Absolutely balling out. And probably the favorite to win the Heisman right now is CJ Stroud. Right? You would have to say, right? They're just so dominant right now. So unstoppable. Then Young and Levis are two and three. Nothing to really say about there. They didn't play. Uh Anthony Richardson is still holding strong at four. Because again. There are things in this game that he did where it's like, okay, that's what I'm looking for. But his, his worst statistical game of the season by far. I'm not naive to that fact. I am well aware of that fact. That this was his worst game at Florida in regards to passing yards numbers. Passing yard stats. He had 66 yards passing. He went 8 for 14. He had 45 yards on the ground. A lot of it came on one carry. 32 yards on one carry. But his touchdown pass that he threw was just great. Like, he rolled out to the right. There, Like, the thing with Anthony Richardson, and this is why I keep holding on to him, is because there's so many things he does that no one else can really even think of doing. Like, his touchdown throw, on the move, zips it between the de- two defenders, find a receiver in the back corner of the end zone. There's not a lot of other quarterbacks that are throwing with that much power. And then his ability to run the ball, with how big he is. Like, if he can get everything dialed in, there's no reason he can't be the top quarterback in this class. I don't think that's going to be the case now. I could honestly, we said this every single week, I could see him coming back next year. I mean, there's a real shot of him coming back. He's not the finished product yet. But you could see things that are there that go, wow, this dude can really sling it. He just needs time. And Missouri's been a tough team for Florida recently. Just ever since they've been in the SEC, they're 6-6. Six and six. Like, it's been... It's been a, yeah, it was a tough game. It was a tough game. I thought he'd play better than that, but I'm still holding on to him. I'm still holding on. Five, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, great game. Great game. Number six, Jaron Hall. I have to bring up Jaron Hall because he's the guy Hooker passed. Jaron Hall did not have a good game against Notre Dame. Probably his worst game of the season. 
Like, his interception was bad. It was the first throw of the game for BYU. Tried to lob it to uh, Gunnar Romney down the right sideline. Put too much air underneath it. The defender easily picked it off. His touchdown, both of them, one of them was a, a motion inside, sprint back out type play, wide ass open. I'm not even sure it was a read option play. I think it was just straight, like, running back, run across. He didn't even fake the give. It was wide open. And then the second touchdown, another Cody Epps was wide open again. But he didn't really need to do a lot. He didn't do a whole lot. He threw 17 passes in this game. 17 for for Jaron Hall. That's low. That's very low. I understand BYU was running the ball particularly well in this game, but that's low. But this was a tough, tough game for BYU. Tough game for Jaron Hall. I thought BYU would play better. They didn't. Jaron Hall did not play that great, but as for Endon Hooker, on the road against LSU, though the uniforms are disgusting, those gray uniforms are some of the worst uniforms in college football. I, if you like those, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. But like his touchdown throw, his first, I think it was his first one, right, to Jalen Hyatt down the left sideline. This one was really nice because it's just a simple vert, which is always nice to see, but it's where he placed the ball. When you have a receiver in the slot, run up the field, he's playing, the safety's over top of him, and then you could see the safety in the middle of the field as well. Every receiver's to the left side of the formation. So the safety has a pretty general grasp of what's going to go on here. Unless you're running a bunch of crossing routes, the safety can know where to go. He just got to read the quarterback's eyes. And it didn't even matter what, like, Hendon Hooker just threw it so perfectly. Two defenders right there, because that's a kind of throw where the littlest thing is wrong. Like, it seems easy because it's just a deep ball down the sideline. But if the slightest detail is wrong, that thing gets jumped. It's one of the most jumped plays in football. You think your receiver's got enough room, safety comes over top, picks it off. And then the same thing happened later in the game, not picked off. The second touchdown, it was a post route. Safety playing over top, falls over. And another safety, was more the safeties for LSU were playing shallower, which is probably what helped on both these situations, playing a little shallow. But on the second one, it was impressive because it was a little behind him. And it's weird for me to say that's impressive, but maybe he could have like lobbed it a little bit more towards the corner of the end zone or something or like towards the, the uprights or something. But if you're going to throw it on the line, you got to throw it where he did because where the safety's coming in, the second safety, if the first one fell over, the slot corner, whatever you want to call him, that's another one that gets jumped. Post routes where you lose the sight of the safety are plays where it gets jumped. And there was a situation where that could have happened, but Hennon Hooker just put the ball on the line. A beautiful throw. Absolutely beautiful throw. Like, he had a very, very nice game. Ran the ball particularly well as well. Like, him and Anthony Richardson both had runs from quarterback draw plays. They were a nice run. Very nice runs. Hennon Hooker got a pretty big lick at the end of it, but he did a good job stiff armor defenders on his way to getting the big hit. The big hit. But going on the road to LSU is never an easy place to play, especially when you're not looking good. Like, you know the look good, feel good, play good thing? He might have felt good. He played good. He definitely didn't look good. Oh, uniform was gross. Uniform was disgusting. He's got 10. Like, I think between Hooker, Stroud, and uh, Young, I think those are your top three guys for the Heisman. The thing that's hurting Hooker right now is his lack of touchdowns. Like, CJ Stroud's got 24 touchdowns. 24. Hennigar's got 10. He's thrown exactly two in every single game this season. Played five games. Two touchdowns every game. He's running the ball a lot better than C.J. Stroud is, and he's beating, at the time when they played him, three top 25 teams. Beat Pitt, Florida, and now LSU. Two of those games were on the road. 
LSU and Pitt. Like he's playing well in these games. Playing very, very well. Completing a high clip of his passes. Running the ball really well. I know those are your top four right now. Or top three right now. Number seven, we talked about Jaron Hall at six. Seven, we got Will Rogers. Again, he's just so precise with his passing. Like this was a game that was easily predictable because Arkansas's pass defense is non-existent. And when you're a pass-happy team with a quarterback that leads the nation passing yards and second in the nation passing touchdowns behind C.J. Stroud, yeah, it's pretty easy to expect that Mississippi State would blitz Arkansas. And I didn't even know Katie Jefferson wasn't going to play. That made it even more predictable that this was going to happen like this. But he just beat them up. And I think that I liked most about this game for Will Rogers, he showed off his athletic ability. It wasn't that he ran the ball a lot. It's how he broke the pocket. Like, when the pocket broke down, when you have a quarterback like Will Rogers or someone like that who's just throw it all the time, throw it all the time, you don't expect them to be able to move that well. Like, people, when you think of movement, you think of speed going down the field. Speed going down the field. How fast are you? How many yards can you get on the run? And that's that's a thing, yeah. But your ability to move around well in the pocket is also key and arguably could be even a bigger factor to a success of a quarterback. If you can't move into the pocket or move around the pocket or be smart with your moving in the pocket, you're going to have problems. And Rodgers, both times he broke out of the pocket, both times resulted in touchdowns. At least two of the times, two of the key times, because it's just convenient because two of the touchdowns he threw out of the three were outside the pocket, rolling out to the left too. The first one should have been intercepted, probably. Probably should have been intercepted. Went right through the hands of the Arkansas defender, but that's just a testament how bad their defense is. But the second one, great throw. Throw it low, throw it towards the pylon, towards the sideline, whatever. No, the defender cannot get to that. It didn't look pretty. It didn't look very pretty, but it's effective. You throw it away from the defender. You throw it where only your player can get it, and if the defender jumps on him, it's pass interference. So you're getting a dub regardless, 90% of the time. I know there's a odd scenario where they don't complete that pass, and the second, the last touchdown, just fairly easy. I think if I remember right, it was like a post route. It was to Caleb Ducking. Beat two defenders. Yeah, it was to, it was to Caleb Ducking. But it, Will Rogers is so precise. I think he he th- he doesn't have like the prototypical arm motion. He's very sidearm when he throws it, and he looks very awkward when he like when he rolled out to the left on the second touchdown. He didn't get his shoulders turned <laughs> at, almost at all. So he was just kind of like both shoulders facing the tight end, but he zipped it in there. Something we probably need to work on in the future, but yeah, great game from Will Rogers. Really good game. Number eight, Tyler Van Dyke. This dude threw almost 60 passes and lost. How the hell does that happen? Like Miami's offense has been very, very hit or miss this year. And I understand they had like 70 to whatever win against Bethune Cookman. I understand they had a 30 to whatever win against Southern Miss. Both those games, they were not looking that great. It was just like you're playing a very inferior opponent. You should win this game. And it came back to bite him the ass against Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. Like against North Carolina, who does not have a good pass defense at all, similarly to that of Arkansas. Miami noticed that, threw the ball 57 times with Tyler Van Dyke, who had 496 yards, three touchdowns. Like, I know we've said, I know 496 yards a lot. I understand that. But we've said this before. I'm not like, oh my God, he threw 496 yards. How many times did he threw? I threw it 60 times. I kind of expect you to have, if you're throwing it more, I expect you to have more yards. It just kind of makes sense, especially when you're complete 42 passes. But Tyler Van Dyke played well. This was a nice bounce back game. I know they lost, but this is a nice bounce back. It's better than what he did against Middle Tennessee. Way better. He started. 
It's good. <laughs> I see that as a dub. Just the fact he started was a dub. Number nine, Cam Ward. Cam Ward had a decent game against USC. Didn't turn the ball over, which was nice. Two touchdowns, 172 yards. Tough game. Going to USC, they were 13, point, 13 14 point dogs. I don't remember. They lost by 17. Or lost, no. There were seven. Wait, what was the line? Yeah, it was like 13 14. Lost by 16. Lost 30 to 14. Tough place to go. Cameron Ward's very good. Cameron Ward is, like we talked about with Will Rogers, what makes Cameron Ward good is his movement outside the pocket and still being able to throw the ball. Like, I think we talked about this before, like Bryce Young and his ability to throw on the run outside the pocket. I think Cameron Ward's right up there with him. I don't think he's, I don't know, he doesn't really need to run that much. I think he's up there in regards to Bryce Young, in regards to athleticism. But he's got a strong arm. He's got a little, like like Will Rogers, he's got a little bit of wonky throwing motion. But good game, tough atmosphere. I mean, it's a tough team. Now they're playing Oregon State, which would be fun. Then we got Tanner McKee, Stanford, number 10. Again, Tanner McKee's not playing bad. He's not playing that bad. He's just playing worse than some of the other quarterbacks playing, and they're just getting blown out. This game, tough break. Absolutely tough break. Lose on the last second, pretty late touchdown by Oregon State. It's tough. Tough scene. Probably should have won. Played well. Like two touchdowns, 269 yards. He's played a, He's had a decent season, but it can't really do a whole lot. He's just not very – he is the least mobile quarterback out of every quarterback in this class. At least the top guys. But right, like, he is not mobile. I'm not saying he's, like, I think he's faster than JT Daniels, but I don't think he's much faster. He's a big dude. Pro Football Focus loves this guy. Absolutely loves Tanner McKee. I like Tanner McKee. I do like Tanner McKee. But I'm not going to, right now, I think he could do, I think he could wow people at the comment in regards to the throwing stuff. But right now, he make he makes some very nice throws. But I got him at 10. I got him at 10. We got other Sam Hartman. Good game this week against Army. We had Grace McCall McCall against UL Monroe. Aiden O'Connell, nice game against Maryland. 360 yards passing, two touchdowns. Michael Penix, tough loss to Arizona State. No touchdowns but 311 yards. But again, similar thing to Tyler Van Dyke. 53 passes. He didn't have a lot of yards in that game. And then Dorian Thompson-Robinson, great game against Utah. Four touchdowns passing, one rushing touchdown. Almost 300 yards passing. He has 15 touchdowns, two interceptions on the season to go along with four rushing touchdowns. So, yeah, there's our top ten, and here's who they got matched up this week. We had C.J. Stroud at one. He's on a bye week, Iowa next week. Number two, Bryce Young taking on Tennessee on the road. Awesome game. Number three, Will Levis taking on Mississippi State. Anthony Richardson at four going up against LSU, which should be very fun. Headed Hooker at five. They're taking on, as we said, Alabama earlier. BYU and Jaron Hall is ranked number six. They take on Arkansas. Will Rogers of Mississippi State at seven. Take on Kentucky on the road. Tyler Van Dyke at number eight in Miami are taking on Virginia Tech on the road. Cameron Ward in Washington State's at number nine, taking on Oregon State. And Tanner McKee, who's at 10, is taking on Notre Dame. Damn. I think that's all we got today. Is that all we got? I think that might be all we got. Is this all we music is all we got? Oh yeah, I've I've been seeing a lot of things about Christian McCaffrey and the Bills. I'm I don't I like the Bills are the first team linked with Christian McCaffrey. Because all the connections the Bills have with the Panthers. Brandon Bean came for the Panthers, Sean McDermott came for the Panthers, Joe Brady came for the Panthers. Like there's a lot of connections. Ken Dorsey came for the Panthers. There's a lot of Panthers Bills connections. So Christian McCaffrey makes sense, especially since the Bills are the best pass offense in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey is the best pass catching back in the NFL. 
who can also do really well in the run game. I love it and don't love it at the same time. His injury history is not great, but when he's healthy, he's the best running back in the NFL, in my opinion. The problem is with the Bills side of things, they have drafted the past three years a running back in the second round, third round, and third round. Those are high-value draft picks for running backs. And uh, I don't know. that You don't draft James Cook in the second round and then go after – I mean, they could. They could. Would I be If they did the trade, would I be against it? No, not at all. I would not be against the trade. It'd just be odd, wouldn't it? It would be an odd trade. It would be – I don't see that trade happening. I think the Bills would move for like – I think they'll sign Odell Beckham, or at least try to sign Odell Beckham. I think they could move for another offensive lineman. But I don't even think that's really needed at this point. Trey White coming back in a few weeks will be nice. He could come back this week against the Chiefs. I highly doubt it since the Bills' bye week is next week. Come back after the bye week. Play the Packers. Be big. But I I would love Chris, I would love Christian McCaffrey. I'm not going to sit here and say I wouldn't do it, but it would be odd timing since the Bills have used three premium draft picks on running backs. That's the, that's the odd part. And uh, this was yesterday for me, Monday, after five years. So the US, United States lost Trinidad and Tobago on October 10th, 2017. I was a freshman at, or sophomore at William Penn University. I was following the game on my phone. We were watching the Chicago Blackhawks versus the Montreal Canadiens. And the United States lost. I had about a half hour, 40 minute phone conversation with my dad after the game. Here was the starting lineup for the United States in that game. Tim Howard, DeAndre Yedlin, Omar Gonzalez, Matt Beasler. What was this dude's name? He was a left back for the Portland Timbers. I'm not there. I got a thing right now. It's just pictures of the players. I'm trying to remember who this guy's name is. He played a few games for the United States. He played for Portland for a while. I'm completely blank. I don't remember his name. Left back for Portland. It started with a V. I believe it started with a V. They got Michael Bradley, Darlington Nagby, Paul Ariola, Christian Pulisic, Josie Altidore. Bobby Wood and Clint Dempsey. And then you've also got Kellen Acosta and uh, Benny Failhaber. Now, this is what the United States best 11 looks like right now versus, or this is not my best. This is not what I think the lineup will be. Do I agree with it being the best 11? Probably not. But there's, at least at the striker position, I think for the rest of it, yeah. Uh, Matt Turner, Sergio Dest, Walker Zimmerman, Chris Richards, and Anthony Robinson, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Jonas Musa, Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, Ricardo Pepe, and then Giovanni Reyna, Jordan Pifok, and uh, Brendan Aronson. I think you're looking at – I think Pifok is the best striker the United States has, but we already know Jay, Jesus Ferrer is going to start. We already know that. And Chris Richards is better than Aaron Long, but I think we all know Aaron Long's going to start. At least that's what the gut feeling is right now. Everybody else, yeah, it's fine. What was the dude's name? That, that is bothering me now. That's absolutely bothering me. United States left backs. USMNT left backs. It's really bo- it's really bothering me. He starts with a V. Starts with a V. Not Sam Vines. Is he even going to be mentioned on here anymore? Probably not. Crap. Did he play for like FC Cincinnati? Number left back, 19. He was number 19. Let's go Google Images. Oh, my God. Why is he Why? Why is he not popping up? Because he's not going to pop up in the United States recent call-ups because he hasn't been called up in years. 
This is this is really irking me right now. Oh, 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 oh. That's Fabian Johnson. There's an old school starting 11 graphic that USMNT versus Trinidad starting 11. Jorge Villafania. There we go. We got his name. <laughs> we got Jorge Villafania. Oh, my goodness. That, that shouldn't have taken too long. That shouldn't have taken that long. Cause I, 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 I totally forgot about that guy. I did forget about that guy. But it's crazy how things change. Now the United States is back in the World Cup after that horrific lot. Now, it could have been a blessing. It's probably a blessing in disguise that happened. Probably a blessing in disguise that happened. Probably been embarrassed in the World Cup. So, you know what? It's better for the... It's, now I'm sitting here in 2022, my mindset's a lot different than it was back in 2017, which is crazy to think about. I was 18 years old this time. I was 18. Good Lord, was I 19? I don't know. Somewhere around 18 or 19 years old. But that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If not, again, you can just leave a dislike or whatever. You can rate it one star. Sorry. You can leave a description down below on why you hated the show or why you liked the show. We'll try better next time if you hate it. We'll keep doing the same thing if you liked it. And yeah. I think that's all I've got for you today. Make sure you watch the Bills Chiefs this weekend. Hope you enjoy some college football. Iowa's not playing, so you're not going to be bored to death this weekend. Just wait till next week and you cry your eyes out while watching Ohio State have their way with Iowa's Marvin Harrison Jr. Has more touchdowns than Iowa's entire offense. That's awesome, right? Beautiful. So, yeah, that's all I've got for you. Hope you enjoy the show. Sorry there will be no show Friday. Sorry there will be no show Monday. We'll try to be better next time. And we'll see you hopefully next Wednesday. Peace.